What you see is what you get. Hello, my name is Pastor Chris Miller, and I am your host on the PC Speaking Podcast, where we are equipping Christians for life. Hello and welcome to the PC Speaking Podcast. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Well, at least it is if you are listening to this as it drops. Um, Just a couple more weeks to go until Christmas. Exciting time of year. Um, Before we get into our topic for today, I'd like to invite you along for the New Year's through the Bible in a Year reading uh, series from the PC Speaking Podcast. We're going to be putting out a daily podcast next year, podcast every day for an entire year. And in each podcast will be a Bible overview of the reading for the day, the reading itself, and then a couple of questions, meditations, just to settle ourselves in God's word for the day. Um, Would love to have you along for that. And we will have some materials, supplemental, like a reading guide available for that. You can download um, you can go to hindlandbaptist.com. If it's not there now, it should be there soon. Uh, I think downloads are 15 bucks. Or if you're a little more local, you can actually get a hard copy of the reading guide as well. And those are, will be uh, $25. But yeah, tons of work gone into all that stuff. Volunteers have been tireless in their efforts to get these things put out. Something to look forward to in the new year. If you've never read your Bible, great time to do it. And even if you have, it's always good to read it again. Well, today we're going to open uh, with some verses from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7 might be familiar to you. Let's read. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased the joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil, for you have broken the yoke of his burden and the bar of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian's defeat. For all the sandals of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and to establish it. And with justice and with righteousness from now until forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Well, this is one of my uh, favorite Christmas passages. I like this one. It's kind of like a favorite Christmas ornament, I guess you could say. I like to pull it out, hang it on the tree. Uh, every few years, I enjoy bringing it out and talking about it. And it sounds, it sounds a little harsh when you listen to it initially, but it certainly is a passage of hope, joy, and peace. And those are words we often hear this time of year. Hope, joy, and peace. We've got some banners hanging up in our church that say hope, joy, and peace on them. And uh, the thing about that is, and you know, we're is this time of year is not always joyful or peaceful or hopeful for everyone. For some people, it's a very dark time of year. And when someone in a dark place comes to the holiday season, Christmas time, you know, it's supposed to be a time of joy. And, but for someone who's having a difficult time, that can actually amplify the darkness if they lack the joy. And, 
I speak to that people to people in that kind of situation every year. I've spoken to several already this year, and I do a lot more online ministry than I used to, and that has kind of opened up more of that. And when I talk to people online, they seem to be a little more forthcoming, a little sooner with their difficulties than they do in person. I suppose the anonymity of the internet plays into that a little bit in person. Uh, Sometimes it takes people a little while to open up. Uh, They have to trust you before they can begin to open up to you. But uh, on the internet, the anonymity of it, I think people tend to uh, open up with their problems a little faster. And many people experience being in a dark place uh, this time of year, sometimes all year. And they can even be people very close to us and we don't even recognize it. And Christians aren't immune to that either. You know, difficult times. Every At times, every Christian struggles with lack of hope, joy, and peace. And maybe you are someone who's struggling with those things right now. And I genuinely hope that the Lord might use uh, this podcast, use me to bring you a sense of peace, joy, and hope. Um, when we talk about darkness and light and hope, the way those words are used in the Bible is it is different than the way we often use them. When we use the word hope, for instance, we say something like, well, I hope this is a good week. Or when you look at how we use that word, we often use it in the sense that we're hoping our circumstances are going to be good enough that we can put up with them or that they'll make us happy or whatever. But circumstances are so fickle, as I'm sure you would know, Maybe they'll be good. Maybe they won't. Things happen. You know, life sometimes gets flipped upside down. And when the Bible talks about hope, it's it's a different kind of hope. It's referring to a sure thing that we can confidently look forward to. The promises of God are a sure thing. And we have that kind of hope in his promises. Um, wasn't that long ago we touched on the promises he made to Abraham, Adam, for example, Uh, We talked about Noah. Those are sure things. We find hope and peace and joy in God's promises because they're a sure thing. We can trust those. And we find hope in the birth of our Savior, Jesus. And when we meditate on these things and fill our mind with these thoughts, we can find steadfast peace and joy in ever-changing circumstances. That doesn't mean it's easy, though. It doesn't mean it's just going to happen, but it can be done. Sometimes there's so much going on and we're so wrapped up in the things of the world that we lose that peace, hope, and joy that we can have in the promises of God, that we can have in our Savior, Jesus. You know, it's still there. It's still available. It doesn't change. Sometimes we just drift away from it. And when we do, we drift off into darkness. And that can and does happen to everyone at times. And at times, you know, I get so buried in ministry work that I do that. And when that happens, we feel down, we feel hollow, we, you know, we feel afraid, we feel anxious, all these negative things. And we become overly concerned with the things of the world. And we forget that all this stuff is only temporary. And sometimes we look around and we think, you know, everyone's happy, but me, I should be happy. And then that only makes, makes us feel worse. In the Bible, Darkness is another word that carries a lot of meaning. Um, Generally, in the Bible, darkness refers to two things beyond just a simple absence of light. Darkness often refers to evil and ignorance. And just to be clear, ignorance doesn't mean stupid. It means lacking knowledge and awareness. Um, We're all ignorant of some things. And the world has been experiencing evil and ignorance since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. And we have since lived 
in a world of darkness. The human race, you know, we endlessly struggle with that. Every new generation uh, thinks that they're going to fix the evil and ignorance in the world, but yet they inevitably fail. Human attempts to fix a world in darkness, uh, well, sometimes they even create more of it. They don't work, but sometimes they create more darkness and more problems. What we miss is that it's it's outside of the human ability to fix the problem of evil. We try, we work at it. Sometimes we see some changes. Sometimes we see positive changes and that's great. But what the world is missing is the fact that conforming to a moral philosophy, things like that, although important, is not what we really need. What we need is a transformation of who we are, but we're not capable of doing that within ourselves. As the saying goes, you know, a leopard can't change their spots. Neither can a human change their basic nature. You know, you can't, you can't stand on your hands and pick yourself up. But a lot of humanity remains in the dark about that. And they keep trying to do something similar. In our passage today, verse two says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. So goodness and knowledge have shined on people living in evil and ignorance. And that is the heart of the Christmas story. And light is something people seek, whether it be physically, spiritually, or intellectually, people seek knowledge. They seek goodness. They want those things. And if you read back in chapter eight of the book of Isaiah, he writes about God's people, you know, consulting mediums and wizards. And in doing so, I think they're actually, you know, they, they're trying to find knowledge, maybe even goodness. But Isaiah says, you won't find what you're looking for there because those things are not the source of knowledge and goodness. In chapter eight, the book of Isaiah, uh, verses 21 and 22, what I think it is. It says that when people look for knowledge and goodness in the wrong places, they end up tormented and hungry. And I think you often see that in pop culture. People are seeking what they might think is knowledge and goodness, but they end up being tormented and hungry. And maybe you're someone who's felt that. And I'm trying, I'm looking, I'm seeking, but I'm not finding whatever it is I'm looking for. And every generation struggles with this. You know, we, we seek, I don't know, to, to change the world, to do something in some kind of way, whether it be materialism or social justice or success or escape from pain, whatever it may be, many people seek those things, but they end up tormented and hungry. And Isaiah goes on to say that when people seek knowledge and goodness in dark places, they look up and they curse God. And when they look at the world around them, they see darkness and anguish. And that's a pretty tough place to be. You look up, you curse God, you look around yourself and you see darkness and anguish. And I see a lot of that. And when you look at protests and violence and war and wokeism and those things flow from a place of darkness and anguish. And that's because people are searching for goodness and knowledge, but they're doing it in the wrong places and they're not finding it. And it's I don't know. I think it's hard on people when you're looking for these things, you can't find them. But it's not just about collecting more knowledge, but the right knowledge and also the wisdom to apply it properly. And when we look to people to change people or we're seeking light in the wrong place. 
when we go down that path, it just leads to more darkness, more ignorance, more evil, more anguish, more hunger. And it's not a desire to see things change for the better that drives people that's wrong or bad. That's a good God-given desire. It's just where we seek to see that evil and darkness changed or how we seek to do that. But when we exercise that desire in the wrong place, we won't find what we're looking for. And to be frank, most people don't even know what they're looking for. Everyone wants to fix the world's problems. Everybody's got an idea how to do it, but we can't agree on how to do that. We can't even agree on what the problem is really. What's right, what's wrong, what needs to be fixed. You know, people just can't seem to settle themselves on any of those things. But one thing most people agree on and probably don't even realize it is that we all think we have the ability to fix the world's problems within ourselves. You know, if we just try hard enough, keep chugging away at it, eventually we'll get it. And most people can look around and see darkness and they understand something's not right. They understand something needs to be fixed. But where we go astray is thinking we will find the solution of goodness and knowledge within either human intellect or the human will. And we've been trying that for thousands of years. That's been happening for a very long time. And, you know, you've probably heard it said that, you know, the definition of sanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. We have technology and we've advanced in that. But when you read the Bible, especially what Paul wrote to churches in the New Testament, we can see that uh, technology is really the only thing that's changed between then and now. Human nature is exactly the same as it's always been. We're still the same people. We still struggle with basically the same problems. Even Christians, people who should know better. The world still thinks it can overcome its own problems. And, you know, we can, we can do better. We can work at things. And to be fair, there are some good things that happen. But the reality is they're, they're all Band-Aids. And the human race still thinks it can overcome darkness in the world. Uh, people even think, you know, that's what Christmas is about. If we work together and we work hard enough, we can create peace, joy, and hope. You know, if we stand on our hands long enough and try hard enough, we'll be able to pick ourselves up. And I went to a Christmas event. Now, oh, this was quite a while back now. I don't remember how long ago, but it was a pretty big one. And a local pastor was given the opportunity to speak. And I believe he used Luke chapter 14 as his text. And it's peace peace on earth and goodwill towards men is that text. And then he talked for five minutes about being nice to each other or something like that. It was really lame. And around Christmas time, we hear Luke 2.14 a lot, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And everybody likes that, you know, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. That's, you know, Christmas is all about, but everybody likes that. But we have to remember the first part of that verse says glory to God in the highest And if you leave that off, you can interpret that as people are the source of peace and goodwill. And if everyone is just nice to each other and everything will work out fine and we should be nice to each other. But what the verse really teaches us is that God is the source of peace on earth and he extends goodwill towards men through the birth of his son, Jesus. As humans, we want to be our own source of light in the world. And think about how long we've been trying to do that. And then think about how that's working out for us. Maybe it's time the human race took a step back and and reevaluated our efforts. And can we, as human beings, remove ignorance, evil, darkness from the world? 
let's be realistic. Are we capable of that? Is technology capable of that? Is government capable of that? Is human intellect capable of that? Well, most people visit the mall at Christmas. Well, I don't know, most people anymore. A lot of people are probably doing a lot more online shopping these days. I know I do. But, you know, we've all been to a mall at Christmas. It's likely. Between parking, waiting in line, trying to get out of the parking garage, it seems like it takes at least half the day, even if you're just trying to do one little thing. And then you think about how long have people been parking cars at the mall? We've been doing this for decades. We can't solve parking problems, but we seem to think if we try hard enough, we'll be able to do it away with darkness and evil. Yeah, sure we will. And yet we keep hanging on to the idea that someday we're going to get it right. If our only option is that humanity is a light unto itself, and that's where we place our hope, then everything we say, everything we do is ultimately pointless. We are destined to remain in darkness. And there is no hope, at least not outside of, I hope I have a good week next week. And if we're the light unto ourselves, we live, we die, we continue to wander, tormented and hungry. And ultimately it means nothing. And, you know, that's kind of where Isaiah is at, chapter eight. And that's our lot. If we rely on ourselves to fix ourselves, we seek light, we seek knowledge in, in the wrong places. And the wonderful thing about Christmas and the Luke chapter two Christmas is that it is a very simple and honest way of viewing the reality of the basic human condition. The story of Christmas is not working together so we can make the world a nicer place. Not, you know, not that that's a bad thing, not that we can't try, but it's, it's not the story of Christmas, Christianity in no way ever aligns itself in any way with the idea that if people try hard enough, we can fix the world. That's the secular philosophy of Christmas. And that's not being pessimistic, not at all. Understanding that helps us understand Christmas. And the darker the darkness, the brighter the light. And humans are not the source of goodness. We're not the source of knowledge, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It also doesn't mean that we can't possess it. Christians don't believe there's no hope. Quite the contrary. We understand the world's in trouble and things are not good, but there is hope. There is biblical hope. The the sure thing kind of hope that's very real, not like I hope I have a good year next year. We believe there is real hope and genuine knowledge and goodness in the midst of darkness and evil. And in that hope, we can find peace and joy because we know that something good has happened, that light has come into the world. And the beauty of Christmas is that even in a dark, complicated, confused world, there's still hope. There's a light that shines in the darkness. And John chapter eight, verse 12 says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but shall have the light of life. Life-giving light is not reliant on human work and it's not reliant on human intellect, which is fortunate because those things, yeah, they can't achieve the life-giving light. Isaiah 9.2 talks about, you know, the light shining on a dark world. And our major source of physical light is the sun. Without the sun, there would be no life. We would cease to exist. 
you know, God is holding things together, causing the earth to spin at just the right speed so that we might have just the right amount of light. Without God, that wouldn't happen. The world is in darkness. We live in ignorance. We live in evil because we've lost the original right relationship with God that he means for us to have. And that's the reason we wander hungry and tormented and deal with dissatisfaction and anxiety and shame and ultimately death and the utter inability to change any of those things. Light simply shows us what's true. Without light, we can't know what's true because we can't see anything without it. Without the light, we wander around blind. Without light, we can't know what's true. We may guess at it, we might stumble around, but we don't know what's true. And the Bible tells us that God is light and through him, we can know what's true. God reveals who he is and what is true in the Bible. And we can, you know, we can reason out that God exists. We can, you know, sit under a tree and look around and go, hey, this probably didn't just happen on its own. There's probably a creator involved here. We can guess at what he might be like. Well, this is really nice. He must be good. But without his word, without the gospel, we just don't know. It's just a guess. We don't know how to connect to him without the Bible, without God's word. The Bible shines light on who God is. Um, we had our Christmas party at the church here the other night. It was a great turnout in spite of the weather. It was kind of stormy that night. And, you know, we decorate our, our church with lights at Christmas time. We've got a beautiful church. And um, it just, it looks amazing. And joy or, or light, that light, like the Christmas lights on the church, they look beautiful. Light is how we see beauty. And it brings us joy to see it. Light is color. You know, my shirt, I'm wearing a very colorful shirt today. It's it's colorful because it absorbs some colors and reflects others. Without light, there is no color. There would be nothing. Light brings us knowledge and joy. Isaiah chapter 9. Verses six and seven say, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with justice, with righteousness from now until forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. You know, throughout history, rulers have given themselves those titles, or at least similar ones. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Some kings and rulers have even been viewed as deity. And that's why Isaiah brings these together, is because of that. But all these titles, all of them together, are given to the son who is given. The title, mighty God, eternal father, are given to a child who is born. He's mighty God, and yet he's also born. The eternal mighty God, born as a baby in a manger. Jesus is not just a prophet. He's, he's not just a representative of God. He is God. Mighty God, the eternal father, was born as a humble human baby. <sighs> the light coming into the world filled with darkness. So what does the birth of Jesus mean for you and me? Well, first of all, you know, you, you can't pretend to be indifferent about it. It means something to everyone. And think about all the people who met Jesus in the New Testament, if, if you read it and how they reacted to him. You know, people act 
react to Jesus in many different ways. Some are hostile, some wanted to follow him, some were scared, some were angry, some worshiped him. But one thing you don't see is they were never indifferent. And no one is recording the Bible saying, well, I, he's okay, I guess, and leaving it at that. Jesus, wonderful counselor. Why is Jesus called counselor? For us, that means if God was really born in a manger, that means he has experienced what it's like to be you. I mean, God understands your situation. He understands what it's like to be hot and cold. He understands pain. He understands injustice. He understands what it's like to be abandoned. He understands what it's like to have someone betray you and try to destroy you. He understands malevolence. He understands death. He understands all those things. He understands because unto us a child is born, the mighty God, eternal father, became flesh like you and me. That's the heart of the Christmas story. He voluntarily went to the cross out of love for you and me. And that's a gift. And Isaiah writes, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The son of God was given as a gift, a gift of light, life, truth, knowledge, and beauty. And John wrote in John 1, 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Isaiah chapter nine, verse five says, for all the sandals of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. Well, that doesn't sound very Christmassy, does it? But that is an image of a victory over evil that belongs to God. Okay, we don't have the ability to defeat evil. We may try, but we fail. But God has already achieved victory over evil. And Isaiah tells us, how he has done that in Isaiah chapter 53, verse five. He says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes, we are healed. That's about Jesus going to the cross. That's about Jesus dying for our sin. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin. He took our place. And when we trust in what Jesus has done and trust in him, Instead of trusting in ourselves, God gives us new life. He renews us from the inside out and he gives that life freely. And the only way to receive that good life is to come to a place where and admit, I am inadequate and I need Jesus. And the birth of Jesus, the son of God that we celebrate at Christmas is a gift. And we're, you know, we're, we're incapable of sorrow our struggle with our sin nature. Um, only Jesus can do that. We can discipline ourselves, we can do better, but we can't solve it. It's always easy to look around and say, you know, culture has a problem, society has a problem, there's evil this, bad that, the world has a problem, but it's a lot harder when it gets personal. It's hard to say, I have a problem. It's always easy to point the finger elsewhere, but understanding Christmas means simply understanding and admitting that I have a problem. I need a savior. I'm not right with God and I need his redemption. I want to walk in his light. And look at where Jesus came from and how far he had to come down to be born in a manger from the throne of heaven to a lonely manger to death on a cross. That's humility. He didn't have to do it. He certainly didn't deserve it. But he was motivated by love for you and for me. The true meaning and promise of Christmas can't be understood unless you're willing to humble yourself and hear that and, and believe it 
and admit you're sinful and unable to make yourself right with God, to admit that Jesus is the way, the only way. Yes, the world is a dark place. You know, it can be challenging at times, but there's hope in Jesus. He's the light of the world. The reality of Christmas is simply looking at the world and ourselves in a very honest way and being honest about the fact that we are desperately in need of God's grace. But fortunately for us, God offers it freely as a gift. He offers it to you. He offers it to me. And that comes through humbling ourselves, recognizing we need a savior and putting our trust in Christ. I want to finish today with uh, a bit of a, well, it's a bit of a poem and a carol, I suppose. It's, this is just a few verses taken from It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, written in 1849. So I'll leave you with this. Yet with the woes of sin and strife, the world has suffered long beneath the angel strain of rolled 2,000 years of wrong. And man at war with man hears not the love song which they bring. Oh, hush the noise, ye men of strife, and hear the angels sing. And ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow, look now for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing, or rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. For lo, the days are hastening on by prophet bards foretell, when, the, with, when with the ever-circling years comes round the age of gold, when peace shall over all the earth its ancient splendors spring, and the whole world give back the song which now the angels sing. Well, I hope you have a very Merry Christmas, and I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Let me know what you think in the comments. Please consider subscribing and sharing this with someone who might find it helpful. 